Before we get started with this week's episode, we're really excited to remind you about this cool event happening. It's an annual event at RevRoad called the RevRoad Entrepreneur Competition sponsored by Central Bank. We're giving away $14,500 in cash prizes at the event. Uh, we're looking for more applications. So to apply, if you have a startup and your, your company, uh, you want to apply for the competition, you apply at comp.revroad.com. And hurry because applications are only open until August 13th at midnight. Uh, again, it's comp.revroad.com. Super fun day, September 17th, 2022. You'll see all the greatest startups and all the cool companies that are building their their models and their products and their services and their technology at this one event, one of the largest competitions in the state. Hope to see you there. All right. I'm excited for another week of the Midnight Founders podcast. Uh, Here we go. This uh, This week's episode is with John and Tyler Richards. Uh, we had a great conversation with them. Uh, it's a father-son duo, which was fun. It was our first. A little bit of competition there, back and forth, some sparring there. Yeah, it was great. They have both had exits. They're both serial entrepreneurs, which is very impressive. And their current venture is called Startup Ignition. They are trying to give back to the entrepreneurial community, and it's a it's a boot camp for entrepreneurs. So you have an idea. They help kind of take you through the process to help you be more successful. I would say the big takeaway this week was product market fit and validation at at all costs. So they talked about validating your idea as early as possible. So I'm excited with that. Let's get started. All right. I'm excited for this week's episode of the Midnight Founders podcast. We're here with Tyler and John Richards uh, with the Startup Ignition. They've been in the entrepreneurial space for a while, so I'm excited to hear kind of what they've got in the works right now. And, and also uh, kind of the history that they have in entrepreneurship and the advice they have for a lot of the startups that we're working with. Pretty much legends in the entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you guys here today. Thanks for joining us. This is I think cool. that makes mean, means we're old. Yeah. Or I'm old. He's not old. I'm old. Well, and also we're probably just cool because we're a father-son duo. So yeah. <laughs> not much else cool going on there. This is our first time having a father-son duo in the studio. So welcome, you guys. Good to have you here. Yeah. Thanks. Very cool. Well, to kick us off, um, wh- what are you working on right now with Startup Ignition? Let's start there. Tell us what it is for okay. those that don't know. Well, Startup Ignition is an entrepreneur boot camp. Okay. So uh, Tyler over here was the founder of Dev Mountain, which yeah. is a uh, s- software engineering boot yeah. camp that uh, was wildly successful. And he grew that to quite a size and sold it and had an exit in 2016. Yeah. And I, well done, I was Thank a you. longtime professor of entrepreneurship at BYU for about 12 years after... I quote unquote retired after my company went public in the late 90s dot com era. But I had left BYU and uh, some of my former students said, hey, instead of going back to BYU and teaching at BYU, your curriculum has changed my life. You should make it available to everyone in a boot camp available to anyone, mm-hmm. not just BYU students and university students. And so we created this boot camp and the boot camp industry basically is a short term intensive play for three months that tries to deliver more value than even a four year degree. So like yeah, you can have a CS degree in four years in university or go to Dev Mountain and in three months get a great job as a software engineer. Yep. And in entrepreneurship, you can study entrepreneurship at a university for four years or in a matter of three months be on your way with everything you need to know and and have a venture going and that's the concept bootcamp we've been going for about six years now and about just shy of 500 entrepreneurs and ventures have gone through the program about every three months about 20 uh, participants are in a three-day intensive kickoff and then they get three months of unlimited mentoring and that's the bootcamp it's a tuition-based 
Um, it's not a seed accelerator where it's taking equity or anything. It's just tuition-based, blood and guts, what to do and what not to do. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and I love that, Tyler, what you did was very similar. Or yeah. Decent to I mean, states, the, right? the, the, the theory behind Startup Ignition kind of came from Dev Mountain. Hey, can we do what we did with software engineering and development and, you know, SaaS and, you know, in the entrepreneurial curriculum right because my dad was a, a professor at BYU for 12 years helping the program get to number two in the country he developed this awesome curriculum around kind of the lean startup principles if people are familiar with lean startup which is you know basically validating and and working on a business model before prematurely scaling a company right understanding that you have something in a business model that actually works and flourishes before actually dumping a ton of time effort and money into it right and so he developed that and we took that curriculum from BYU you know that he had developed over 12 years and put it into a boot camp format and that's what startup ignition is today and yeah we've had you know, 450 solo entrepreneurs or businesses go through that program. I'm wearing a shirt of one of our very first uh, uh, companies that went through there. Uh, if, if you're familiar here in Utah with Pura and, um, you know, we shout out to Pura. Yeah, shout out to Pura. Hey, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's been super fun. That's kind of where we live and breathe is kind of that first you know, kind of area or first year of a startup, right? We love getting in the weeds. We love getting in the trenches and yeah. helping founders because that's what we've done in our careers too. So, and, and boot camps um, are about learnable skills. So it turns out that software engineering, engineering is a learnable skill and it's very efficient to be taught by an expert and you can learn it very quickly. Yeah. And same with entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is a learnable skill. It's not magical, mythical wizardry it's not you know i mean there's some luck to entrepreneurship but yeah. more so catching the wave at the right time and, and you know there's some luck and serendipity to it but yeah it's there's a lot of scientific like hey these things need to exist and be validated before you know there's success to be had right yeah so you said about 500 companies have gone through, is that right like yeah. 450 yeah 450 or uh -huh. yeah so other We're, than Pura, would there be others that the audience might know about or have heard? Yeah, probably a lot of uh, quiet, dark nights, but yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of great companies out there like Limble CMMS. You go, what is that? Well, it's a B2B SaaS company mm -hmm. that um, two people met in the boot camp. One, had, one tech guy had an idea, a great biz dev guy. They got together, and it's been rocket fuel, and they got a massive investment last year. And wow. and uh, and uh, the father of one of the founders had funded the company to a certain point. He got exited and made more money from that exit than he had made in his entire career before, that type of thing. And it's just really exciting uh, to see these companies and what they've done. There's just a, a number of exciting, great ones that, you know, but sometimes they go, well, what's Limble CMMS do? Oh, they do management of heavy machinery. Okay, that's not that exciting, but apparently it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's yeah. great business models and businesses everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I, and also another product of Startup Ignition is a lot of entrepreneurs come through our program and they actually invalidate the idea that they've been working on, right? Where they go through our process and the lean startup mentality and they say, okay, I'm going to go and try to prove out that this business yeah. model exists. And they actually find out, ah, that's actually a really bad idea and I shouldn't well, spend my right? time. That's a good money outcome. On it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, a great yeah. outcome. 
outcome because then they don't waste time and resources, right? Yeah. They don't, you know, take uh, $100,000 from their rich uh, uncle and, uh -huh. you know, go and put it down the tubes on a business model that yeah. actually won't be working for them, right? So or it, two years of their life. Or two years of their back. life. Time yeah. is the most precious Third commodity we have, right? Yeah. Sure. We don't want to do that. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah. Good. So industry agnostic, obviously, you, you'll take companies in any industry. Or yeah, but it tends to about 55% are software-based companies. So okay. it's more scalable ventures. Lifestyle, small businesses is not really our forte. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if the company is something that a venture investor or an angel investor would invest in, that's more likely what we take in. But we do have others, um, small businesses that come in. But by, by far, software-based companies, 55%. About 35% are highly scalable product businesses like tangible products, FBA, you know, e-commerce, um, those type of things. Uh, uh, IoT, Pure is an IoT business, so it has some hardware to it yeah. and things like that. So we have that type of thing going on as well. So are they mainly cool. pre-revenue, post-revenue, a mix? It, it's a mix. So... It can be from people that just have a bunch of ideas running around their head and they need to know which idea is best, all the way to companies with about a million dollars in revenue. It's uh, very common that companies can get to a million revenue and then stagnate because most of their revenue is not based on a sound business model. It's based on brute force sales is what we call it in the in the curriculum or the dogma and brute force sales means founders can push through sales just because of their charisma and their you know guts. but to get to two million, then to ten million in revenue, actually takes a real business model with a real product that really is scalable. Yeah, and with systems in place to be able to scale that. Too. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I have one more quick question, and then I want to volley it over to Jake for a second. But I would imagine that your paydays, your big moments, are when these companies go out and they do big things, and they come back and talk to you and say, "Hey, this is the impact you had on me." Is oh, that yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But as do you have any stories like that? going back to my, I have that happens almost every week to me. Oh, I've taught and mentored thousands of entrepreneurs, not just hundreds, and the twelve years at BYU, and and then ever since then with Startup Ignition, and in between that, I also was the founder of Boom Startup. Um, mm -hmm. the tech accelerator here in the state. So lots and lots of entrepreneurs, one of the most rewarding things I have in my life, and I'll sometimes send out the messages to my family, so Tyler has seen these, where somebody writes me that, it says, uh, hey, Professor Richards or John, I gotta tell you what happened to me. You know what happened to me, right? And I go, no, I haven't really followed it. He goes, oh, I need to take you to dinner. And then they take me to dinner and they'll tell me, you know, I just sold my company for $50 million. And, you know, I get those stories all the time, literally. I, I don't think I taught a class at BYU at, a, at, the gra at the senior graduate level where five years later there weren't, you know, several multimillionaires from That's their cool. experiences. And it, I have even great stories. One, one was this uh, story, um, uh, Illumable. So uh, it was Matt Alexander, a great entrepreneur, and he said, I need to take you to breakfast. So we go to Magleby's in Provo for breakfast. The and best, he sits me and he goes, you know what happened to me, right? And I go, well, I know you won some awards and you did well in my class, but I haven't seen you for about a year. He goes, oh, first year, $4 million in revenue. And, and, and I go, well, isn't, aren't you the one whose dad got really kind of mad at me for ruining you because you were going to be an accountant and then you, I turned you into an entrepreneur? And I, I go, what happened to your dad? Where's he now? He goes, oh, he works for me. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my goodness. Cool. So I, 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 those are the most, it's funny you bring that up because that's actually one of the biggest motivations and why I stick to startups and do this is because that's that. so rewarding. It's it's amazing to see these yeah. people's life. One of Tyler's co-founders at Dev Mountain mm -hmm. was my TA. 
Oh, and actually what I met, I was starting a new class at BYU and I brought a Ferrari and a Lamborghini to the middle of campus and said, you want one of these? Join this class. And, uh, you know, I got <laughs> 295 brilliant. people to sign up for the class. Uh-huh. Well, this one young man stopped by and goes, you help people with their business ideas and entrepreneurship? I go, yeah, that's what I do here. And he, go, he goes, I need to talk to you. So he comes to my office. He tells me his idea. And uh, I told him that is probably the single worst idea I've heard in my entire team <laughs> time. Just point blank like that. Point blank. That's I said, terrible. I said, here's the five reasons why. I don't tell people that without saying here's why. I yeah, think that. No, and he goes, what do you mean? Everybody tells me it's the best idea. And and then he, he, I go, who is that? And he goes, oh, my mother, my my best friend, my roommate. I go, no, no, you got to go to unbiased people that don't know you and run this yeah. by them. And he, he goes, I'm going to go do that. And he comes back like three weeks later and goes, you're right. My idea sucks. <laughs> Everybody hates it. And he goes, I need to hang around you more. And I go, funny, I need a TA. So he becomes my TA, helps me do great in that class. And by that, he met Tyler. And uh, no they started Dev Mountain together, and they all had a really good exit. And became it's his life has completely changed, and yeah. it's so exciting to see that happen. No, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. So why why entrepreneurship? It seems like you've been there your whole life. Or did you start out with that? In I mind? was actually pre med and accepted to medical school. And I decided not to go to medical school instead of go back up to Seattle, my hometown, because I went to school at BYU. And um, I just decided to go into entrepreneurship. And at the time, uh, AT&T, the largest company in the world, had been broken by up into eight different companies by the federal government. So it was very easy to compete against them compared to previous years. And one of their businesses was Yellow Pages. So I went in and started doing Yellow Pages competing against the phone company. And it was a very lucrative time to do that and went from one publication to 44 publications. Mm -hmm. And over about a 12-year period, just grew a good medium-sized Yellow Pages publishing company. And then about 12 years in, all of a sudden, I discover the internet and I go, oh, this is something that could actually wipe out print publishing. And so I started the first ever internet yellow pages. And two years later, that was public on the NASDAQ. And so we had a really fun time. I sold the print company and launched an internet company. That's part of my history. It's funny that you say yellow pages because we just had this conversation with my kids just the other day where we were watching a movie and they said yellow pages and they're like, dad, what's... What's that? Is that like the blue pages or the black, uh, black, it's black so pages funny. or what? They, they don't have those no books. idea. You the, know? Yeah. It was once like, you know, a $25, $30 billion industry, and it was the only way that you could find a lot of stuff yeah. in the world. Yeah. And that like we were just talking about with somebody the other day, I think, Tyler, where did they go? Before the internet, that was the internet. Yeah. <laughs> for for sure. businesses. Really yeah. For, yeah. Or for anything. Like yeah. you had this, you, you needed something, you had to find the letter. And the book. I can't believe you're old yeah. enough to remember yeah. that. Oh, I'm old enough. I remember growing up, you know, um, in, in dad's businesses, he'd be like, well, we have to put an ad in the yellow pages because yeah. that's where they're going to see yeah. us, you know, yeah. and we had to do it. I told know? Tyler, the sales reps in that industry were vicious. Like, oh, you don't want to be in the yellow pages? They'd You'll rip, never be seen. They'd rip the page out from your ad from last year and say, great, I'm leaving. You're not, nobody's ever going to see you again. And you then, be, and before the sales rep left the room, the person would go, no, no, I want to be in it. I'll pay yeah, my. I mean, could, could you imagine <laughs> Google saying, oh, you don't want to be on the internet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, money. You're, no. That's basically what AdWords is, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so it's so funny. I mean, it was such an easy selling proposition because you had to be in the Yellow Pages. You had to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you had to name your company AA. Yeah, Triple yeah. yeah. A. The funniest name ever was Triple A Aardvark Landscaping. <laughs> we just want to be the first name under Yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. I mean, so, 
Tyler, you yeah. you lived with your dad growing up in the entrepreneurial world. Oh yeah. Did you know early early on that you also wanted to be an entrepreneur or kind of it took a while to get there? I mean, I'm kind of known out of all of my so I, there's four siblings with me included in our family and I'm kind of known as kind of the more uh, risk tolerant child okay. or sibling. Where do you fall on that line? I'm the second oldest. Second, so okay. I have an older brother who's an attorney um, who's probably the most uh, risk averse out of all of us. <laughs> but, you know, from a young age, like I, I remember having, you know, just like family lessons in our home about, you know, entrepreneurial topics like credit cards versus debit cards or, you know, mm -hmm. when everybody else is so learning about wholesome principles, we're over here learning business principles as six and eight year old kids, you know? <laughs> and so crazy. we, it's kind of, I've kind of grown up around it and I, I kind of always knew, yeah, I want to be a business owner um you know i remember graduating um from from the university and you know all my classmates around me were going and getting you know these normal you know salary jobs at these like big you know fortune 1000 or 500 the companies of the world yeah and, and i'm like am i making the right choice here like should i be going and getting a job and like getting paid and like, getting a normal salary because at the time in in college i was executing on, on on an application a software application and you know, I thought I was making the wrong choice, but, you know, thankfully stuck with it. And, you know, now my short career in high school, you had garish your yeah. brand of clothing and yeah, t-shirts. It was always just weird. <laughs> you know, I, I, I loved art as a kid. And so I'd always like be doodling and I'd slap my designs on t-shirts and go like sell them in local skate shops and cool. one, one, things like that. One time he, uh, in college, he skipped me. The story is really fascinating at a football game. He printed up like 200 t-shirts with the old, uh, BYU logo on it and sold like those 200 made $800 There's or something in profit yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the street corner outside the stadium awesome. and I go Tyler first of all you got to check on that logo thing a little bit I'm not sure you can use it but and, and he and he goes but he, he, he comes back to that and he goes I made $800 I love selling. I go, you love selling. Interesting. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So did you know early on that he was going to be an entrepreneur? Um, he definitely had uh, his, he, he, our family also says he's kind of lucky, which is kind of when you're prepared and good things happen, but he's had risk tolerance. I mean, that's a big thing. You have to be able yeah. to take risks and risk reward. Yeah. 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 So, and, and, and do that. And that's a big part of it. So I could see that. And he did, he, he literally was, thinking of clothing brands and design and doing these things as a high schooler and freshman yeah, and yeah. sophomore in Quickly college. Quickly pivoted that away from art and creativity, though, into software development, yeah. front-end design. Well, he knew that the, he, the design and all that maybe wasn't quite as lucrative a place as being in software yeah. and things yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. So. so tell us about your journey then, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, it, that basically sums it up. I was born into a very entrepreneurial family. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're taught those, you know, family lessons about entrepreneurial things and principles from a young age. You know, he, I, I watched him, you know, growing up from a young age, executing on that company that he eventually took public. You know, I was a, I, he was eating and breathing and living business, and it kind of just flowed over into family life, right? Yeah. Because it's really hard to separate business and family life, and unless you're super intentional about it, it just yeah. they kind of mesh together, right? Yeah. And so I, I saw that, but I kind of idolized that. I was like, oh, like I want to be... A, bu a business owner and so when I went to college I, I right away I like I focused on my education but I really wasn't at 
you know, uh, that degree program to necessarily get the degree. It was more so just to like educate myself in the world of, okay, how do I become a business owner and how do I yeah. get and achieve that status and, and, and starting at the university. So I, I, I very quickly started executing on my own ideas and being a dumb college student, one of the first ideas I executed on was a dating application um, back in like 2009, right when kind of iOS and the app store was coming out. Well, that you was know? probably before match.com and all those. Oh right? yeah, it was be the Tinder before Tinder was. Okay. And you know, it, it was pretty successful. We scaled it to a, a bunch of users and a actually, it, uh, you know, we had a successful exit out of that, me, myself and the other people involved. but. Um, you know, then did it I, work for you. Did yeah. You find your wife. And though no, I did not no, find no. my wife through my own dating app, even though, um, that would have been a cool story to have. But you know, then right after that, I, I graduated college. Uh, and right at that time we sold that business away and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And, um, my dad, John, uh, he's, he was the founder of boom startup, which was, uh, an accelerator here in Utah, a local accelerator, like YC still or, is, which is yeah, still, it's still today. here. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right. Um, he's, now sold your share out of it, right, to his other partner at the time uh, a few years back. But um, every summer they would do a cohort of that accelerator. And when I graduated from school, my dad's like, hey, why don't you come help me out this summer that you graduated? I graduated in April. And he's like, hey, this June through August, just come be around Boom Startup on all these other entrepreneurs and uh, all the cohort teams you know and so manage I, the day-to-day -day. and manage mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day. i was mm -hmm. kind of like the, the the person who was putting schedules together kind of facilitating the investors and and the teams yeah. within the program Great education yeah mm -hmm. just running operations yeah. for it and i got really close to the teams and really quickly one of the teams after the summer was like hey why don't you come jump on board so i was the first employee at this um small genetic medical company uh software company that went through boom startup and i got my kind of like really quick on the job training there how to be a ceo the ceo of that company was super smart really good fundraiser and um i just fell in love with you know that atmosphere and when i was at that company like a year into it is when i had the idea for dev mountain with my other co-founders of dev mountain and we you know literally bought a nine dollar domain name and slapped up hey we're going to do coding classes here in Pro little provo utah and within a week or two, we had like 75 applicants for that wow. coding class. And I'm like, whoa, okay, we actually have something here. And it just snowballed from there and took off like a rocket ship. And we kind of hit that wave right where, you know, technology is in everybody's life and everybody yeah. wanted to know how to build and, and, and manage and develop technology. So, But we, we just went to several meetings the last two days where highlighted there's still as incredible as Dev Mountain did, there's still such a lack of software engineers yeah. everywhere. I kind of found within that my time at Boone Startup and seeing all these tech companies, how much they lack tech, technological help, right? Yeah. Like they, every startup is in such need of a developer. Yeah. And so we kind of came up with this idea, hey, why don't we teach people how to become developers? And, and it worked really well, you know, from 2012 to 2016, very short period of time we actually were acquired in 2016 and it, and it was great and it, it's still running today by a huge billion dollar company capella university bought dev mountain yeah. which was actually later bought by strayer university but mm -hmm. um it's still running today i i left in 2018 so i have no no, no affiliation anymore no more ties to to the company but you know it was my baby dev mountain he's being humble he and his partners executed extremely well probably the best boot camp in the country in terms of efficiency 
profit per C outcomes, outcomes and yeah. stuff. It was really Fantastic. good. And that this company that Dev Mountain took over a worldwide company's non-degreed programs and runs it worldwide. It's involved in many states in the U.S. and does a lot of things. But you know, since Dev Very Mountain, cool. I I, I kind of saw what my dad has been doing for like the last 20, 25 years, ever since he kind of IPO'd with that company back in the dot-com era. He's, you know, taken his wealth and, you know, kind of done full circle and reinvested into a ton of companies. And when I had that acquisition and, and you know, had that little windfall of, of wealth, I was like, hey, dad, I want to do the same thing you're doing. I want to get involved in, you know, this early stage startup. I want to help other entrepreneurs and cool. mentor and give any kind of value that I can. And if it makes sense, I want to financially invest as well. And so cool. that's kind of what we've been doing for like the last, what, six, six, seven years now is we're kind of this weird father son, you know, angel investing tag team duo. I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, we How does that work out though? Is there any moments where there's no, some No, we actually work really well together, I, I feel like. Well, it's good because I, I have, differently. I, you know, I, I have kind of the experience, been around the block a few times, and so I see patterns and recognize stuff, but some of the newer X Factor, um, youthful zeal and all that, Tyler brings the table. So I think it's a good yin and yang yeah. to the process. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs recognize that. We've helped quite a few together and had some good exits. Um, it was interesting. We loaded up on companies in the early to mid 2010s, and then the COVID, the, yeah, the COVID era with um, all the money printed by the government led to a lot of M&A activity and all that. And so we had a kind of an unusually high number of exits and all that. And so, uh, and we see in the future there's going to be opportunities for that too. So it's kind of an interesting time right now. I think it's going to be a good time to invest in and load up on investments in startup companies for the next big run up after this kind of uh, two or three quarter recession that we're maybe in the middle of right now. Yeah, I th I think a lot of startups that kind of hunker down and you know cut costs and also get to true traction and build product and actually get customers and sales right now when we come out of this kind of weird funky recession time that we're having kind of in the midst of they're going to be the next Rock fortune stars. 1000 it's a know? virtuous cycle utah in the 2000s onmature all that brought incredible success to utah then we had the great recession and a lot of great companies were started during that time that then when things took off 2012 2014 the divvies the podiums the you know you know qualtrics qualtrics and all yeah, that yeah. they are just look at what they brought the last yeah. decade and now i'm seeing this correction potentially setting the table for the next spiral up in utah and it's yep. so exciting yeah. now's the time to be in the space isn't it yeah yeah that's awesome uh, okay so you you guys over the last 6 years have seen 450 companies um, i'm sure that you're seeing trends and and you're learning new things every time you have a new co cohort come in. What advice do you have without, without uh, diluting what you offer at the, the Startup Ignition? But what advice do you have at a high level for entrepreneurs? Well, and first of all, Startup Ignition is really a, a labor of love. We don't make a lot of money. We charge a tuition so people take it seriously. It's not how we make a living. At, yeah, at well, we just noticed it's, that when we <laughs> offer for free and there's no skin in the game on the entrepreneur side. That, they that just... was true with Dev Mountain. You yeah. couldn't have a Dev Mountain student go through Dev Mountain for free if they didn't pay for it. They even asked, who's paying for this? If daddy pays for it, they wouldn't learn the curriculum at Dev Mountain. Yeah, they weren't invested, right? So we, at Startup Ignition, mm, we charge a really small tuition and we don't take any equity percentage or do anything in that regard other than a small tuition fee just so there's skin in the game on the entrepreneur side so that they actually 
you know, are invested in that education and the right. curriculum. Focus. So, so, yeah. so some of the tips, Jake, I'll tell you, would be first and foremost of all is uh, learn how to tell the difference between a good idea and a bad idea. And what that means is a, go a great idea will lead to a great opportunity, which can lead to a great business model. We want great things. We want big things, good things. We gotta be really careful. A lot of entrepreneurs come up with an idea and they think that idea is the end all be all and they stick with it and they burn time and capital pursuing it. When in reality, on average, academically, uh, the great companies take two to three major pivots and hundreds of micro pivots to get to the winning business model. Yeah. So usually your first idea, and, not, and when I say usually, it's like 99% of the time, well, the it's not, not uh, going to be the winner. The father of lean startup, Steve Blank, says, what, what's the chance of your original D 0.5%, idea? 0.5%, one in 200 chance one that your first idea is a winner. Your original idea is actually the winning idea or the, the one to take you, you know, to yeah. success. And there's tons of academic uh, documentation of that. So one of the things is just make sure that you vet your idea really well and it's worthy of your time to go on and do what we call the lean startup process. And, and a lot of people don't really realize that validation is actually pretty easy and very low cost, if any cost at all, right? Like yeah. if I have this idea for uh, a banana stand on Center Street in Provo, I should probably go and ask people, hey, if I start a banana stand on Center Street in Provo, will you come to this banana stand and buy my bananas? <laughs> Rather than spend all the time, effort, money to build that banana stand, get bananas, source bananas, you know, hire employees to run my banana stand. You know what I mean? It's just that simple. And, and it, it's just taking steps in a different order rather because a lot of people just think if I build it, they will come. It's actually different. It's actually, if I validate it, make sure there's a market, make sure my idea is good. If I line everything up before committing any resources to it, and validate that there is a business model to be had there, okay, then they should be coming. Okay, now I'm gonna build it, right? So let's give you some practical advice, Jake. So idea and lean startup needs to be followed. So in even not coming to our boot camp or anything, Everybody should get a copy of the book called The Startup Owner's Manual by Steve Blank, the father of Lean Startup. It's an encyclopedic how-to manual of how to go through Lean Startup. They should hypothesize a business model and then go out and f make sure that they turn their assumptions into facts before they plow all their time and money into a idea. That's the critical thing. Right now, within 10 miles where we're sitting, there's hundreds, if not thousands of entrepreneurs. And by the way, where we're sitting in Utah County, this is the most startups per capita of any county in the United States. And there's tons of entrepreneurial activity, but most of them are coming up with an idea and plowing money into premature scaling, renting office spaces, hiring employees, doing all this, and they've not even tested or validated their business model. And that's the biggest mistake. And avoiding that, that's the most important advice of all that we could give you. Yep. So, and, and there's no reason to fail big in entrepreneurship. What you can do is fail small, cheap, and early and pivot your way to a winner. Or Fail fast. Fail yeah, fast. Fail fast. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. If your business idea is not the idea, you want to know a lot earlier than a lot later. Now, right? one of the dangers <laughs> of the last few years, though, with this. I am this, excited for the banana stand. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. So you know. hey, if you <laughs> need bananas, get at me. <laughs> one, one of the dangers of the last few years, and, the, and again, Steve Blank's written a lot of Harvard Business Review articles on this topic, but. The, is that the success and the incredibly pro-entrepreneur environment from 2014 till just about a few months ago has led to the idea that was prevalent in the dot-com era that if you get enough money, 
you can overcome the lack of a business model. And so just get a bunch of money and start spending and see what works. But that's now been proven false by a lot of interesting recent experiences. Most recently is the company Fast raised $100 million just a year ago or a year and a half ago and in less than a year went bankrupt. The biggest one of all time is where two all-stars, Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg, started New TV, which later became known as Quibi. And there was actually Steve Blank, again, a great author in Harvard Business Review, said, okay, this is gonna be the great test. They raised $1.7 billion pre-product, built their product, launched, and in about seven months were bankrupt because they had no business model. Yeah. They were trying to compete with Netflix and do that. What you, the um, money is easy to get. Money is everywhere and there's more of it than anywhere. Right now there's about $250 billion sitting in the coffers of venture firms. And so that's not the issue. The issue is having a business model that works not the money. Money cannot overcome the lack of a business model. And I think that's really the key thing to tell entrepreneurs is go validate your business model first and then get the capital to grow it and scale it. Right. Yeah, that's really great advice. Uh, one of the things that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast is uh, for kind of a crazy story with entrepreneurship. We know that a lot of times you're up at you know, midnight or kind of the ode to the name of the podcast, right? Or, you know, something happens like the day before you're getting ready to launch. Do either one of you have a story that... I'll tell you one story and Tyler can think of his. I, I'm an, it's more as an angel investor, but I'm very involved angel investor. So there's a great company here in Utah called 4UP. It's a golf software management company. And uh, this is an interesting story. So when um, uh, the company... Uh, was in its first two or three years, what had happened is we investors did a convertible note and there was a two-year time limit on the convertible note. And it would convert if they got an equity finance. And if not, the note had to be paid back or we had to deal with that note. Well, it came upon the deadline and uh, it was about two years in and the deadline was coming up and uh, we took care of all the other investors, but I was the one staying in and I was the lone investor left and it was really interesting. And I had rights in a contract to kind of stick it to the company a little bit and get way higher percentage than I even felt was morally right. So I told the founders, okay, I don't think I should get that much of the company, so I'll settle for less. And so they proposed a number, and I go, well, they were a little aggressive there. So they wanted it. We were apart on our negotiation. And we came and negotiated really friendly, and we came $50,000 apart. And uh, one of the founders, Evan Tashima, says, okay, I'll play you golf over that. Winner of golf gets the fifty thousand one way, and nice. and, and there and he's like a scratch golfer, okay. So really low handicap. I said, Evan, I'm not pay, I'm not gonna play you golf for that. No. And then I then I uh, and then he goes, okay, how about chess? <laughs> play chess match for that. And I thought to myself, well, I was eighth grade chess champion of Washington State. I'm going to do that. Okay, I'll do that. Because I said, he's a good looking guy. I got a beautiful wife. He's a great athlete. I said, there's no way he's also a good chess player. <laughs> and so then, I, then, then, so then we set this up and the whole company is listening to updates on text and stuff. It was really interesting. And so we set this up and we play this match, best of three games. And doggone it, he beats me the first game. 
And I go, what's going on? Then I beat him the second game. We go into the third game and he beats me. <laughs> and so that in their company, it's still a legend because that cost me, that company went on to greatness. And that $50,000 that I gave up by losing that chess match was worth a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> that was an expensive chess match. Yeah. yeah. And so though, that it literally great happened. Story, yeah. Great story. Great story. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. The great team over there, they just knocked it apart. They had a great exit last year. Good yeah. for them. We should have them on the podcast. Yeah, oh, we should. you definitely should. Send us yeah. some yeah, yeah. Send us their information. Jake, what was the question again? So, so Stories. Yeah, what stories do you have? Funny, unique stories. Midnight Founder. What makes you a Midnight Founder? Um, so, when you say midnight and, like, just, I think, long hours, like, almost kind of, like, painful times, right? Like, because being a founder is not easy. If being a founder was easy, everybody would own multi-million dollar businesses, right? And that's just not the case. It's really hard to create value like that. Um, but one time I, th that keeps popping into my head is uh, when we were hitting a ton of growth at Dev Mountain, we were scaling to new locations and, and you know, we had a lot of money coming in the bank and we thought we were riding really high. And uh, at the time we were an LLC and the, uh, the money that we would have at the end of the year was passed to our own individual selves as founders of the companies and owners of the company in our own personal taxes, right? And so we said, hey, we can't end the year with like half a million dollars in the bank. Let's spend that money some way, some, some way, shape or form. And so we went on and we opened up a Dallas um, Texas location. And mm -hmm. so we expanded and we, and we dropped a new location for classes in Dallas, Texas. And we kind of went frivolous. Why, we, why we, Dallas, Texas? Why did you... We did a little bit of calculation and studying and due diligence on like, okay, you know, size of city, you know, technology companies, mm -hmm. startups, and you know, um, universities that were around the area. And you know, we had our little algorithmic like reasons why. But we dropped a location in Dallas, Texas, and um, we expanded. It was going great, but you know, we had to get into this huge contract with rent and space because we were a physical classroom we had multiple classrooms tons of meeting spaces breakout rooms all this stuff equipment desks projectors staff teachers mentors like and this was like our first expansion outside of utah state the state of utah and we went a little hog wild and that was like august september time and then around october november right before kind of the holiday season right before the end of the year we're like guys we're gonna be in the red this is gonna. This is not good. Like we are not going to be able to make the first pay to our payroll in December, mm -hmm. and we noticed this like literally the first week in November. We're like, what do we do? And our options were literally: let's go get a loan, let, let let's go raise some money some way, shape, or form, or we're gonna have to cut. We're gonna have to fire and lay off a ton of people right before Christmas. And I just remember going home like the day Ugh. that we realized this and like literally getting on the ball on my couch and like just like curled up and like, what are we going to do? I remember jumping on like, you know, a, a phone call with my two co-founders, like literally at like 1 a.m. that same day, just what are we gonna do? Um, my father was actually an advisor to the company and we called him like, Hey, Papa Rich, what, what do we do here? Like we, we are going to be in the red. We are so donezo and we are not going to be able to make payroll. Long story short, we spent probably those next two to three weeks before that, that December timeline, figuring out a plan over Excel spreadsheets, calling every bank, every financing institution we knew. Um, and you know, 
a ton of high net worth individuals to see if we could just get some money in the door to kind of help us because we weren't a bad company or a bad business yeah. model. We just scaled and grew so quickly that literally in like three to six months off of our calculations, we would be completely fine and in the green again, making a ton of money like six months down the road. We just had this one bad decision of dropping Dallas location make and spending way too much money on it um <laughs> but those three weeks were seriously some of the worst in my entrepreneurial career and i remember them so vividly being in offices at our houses all together late at night and just why because figuring out what are we going to do with our employees what are we going to do with the families and the payrolls that they're dependent on the benefits that they're dependent on we can't just let go of like 40% of our staff at like a, a random whim, you know, so we had to figure it out. We got financing. We found actually an institution out of Texas uh, that gave us some financing. They looked at our startup. They looked at Dev Mountain, the revenues that we were doing. We showed them how we were going to get back into the green in like a very short period of time. And, and we were able to get that loan. And so we made it through it, but it was mm. grueling times and really scary times. But That's one of the principles that they discovered was the worst thing in business is no one wants your product. The second worst thing is too many people want it too fast. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you can consume all your cash and growth. And that's what they faced. It was funny when they came to me and we took those two, three weeks to analyze it it was interesting we discovered no this is a great business you just expanded too quickly and consumed all your cash yeah so you just need some financing like Jake you are affiliated with a bank that does that kind of lending <laughs> yeah. right and it would be just a temporary loan to get you through the cash flow crunch and what's really interesting is they did get this financing and the funny thing is they paid off the financing so fast the people that finance it go that was too quick we wanted well, that loan to be out of the loan of that story because it's just really cool is is that you know hit that cash crunch like august september of 2015 figured it out in november executed on it and and, and had a solution by december so we had to take on pretty big debt for ourselves as entrepreneurs but then literally april of 2016 we were acquired for more Deck of millions, and they right? paid it back. So, they paid it back in March. Yeah, and we paid it back in March, and <laughs> so just before. So literally five months before, literally, you know, the entrepreneurial dream of of selling your company for multi millions of dollars. Literally five six months before, I was curled up on my couch in a ball, saying, "What am I gonna do with this thing?" <laughs> yeah. So that's just the crazy road of entrepreneurship, right? And that hundred nights well spent. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the midnight oil burning for you yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I think we're running out of time. Cool. Um, and it's been so fun to have both of you here, John and Tyler. Thanks so much. If people want to find Startup Ignition, what do they do? Where do they go? Well, and uh, let me tell you about one thing we're also doing here in the near future. Cool. So uh, first of all, startupignition.com is our website. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're easy to find on LinkedIn, whatever. And we love talking and helping entrepreneurs. But Tyler and I are taking a new thing with Startup Ignition. Startup Ignition is uh, just weeks away from launching a pre-seed venture fund. It's going to be called oh, Startup cool. Ignition Ventures. And, it's, uh, and we've already done some investing under in that kind of framework we've always been active angel investors but it's going to be exciting to see this uh, venture fund take more place official. yeah and it gives us Love the that. chance to do a little bit more and do it and help companies a little bit more soundly than what angel investors angel investors are fantastic but at the same time a pre-seed venture fund and again very distinct first checks in help people you know even pre-revenue um you know or just early stage revenue and that type of thing yeah that's awesome yeah and that'll be available when did you say we're we're, we're probably i you know 
we were dealing with attorneys finishing up all the uh, formation, right? So it's supposed attorneys. to be in about a month. Yeah, How's okay. that? Yeah. Well, they can't talk too bad about attorneys because they have a brother and a son. That's right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. He's probably yeah. taking care of it. No, we, we like to say his older brother went to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows uh, that. Yeah. He knows we're kidding. <laughs> well, okay, last question. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Who wins in pickleball? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> he's younger yeah, and faster. <laughs> Who's won more medals in pickleball? Because I see that. that one all the time. Oh, look at that. I love you that. You just won Brigham City a couple weeks ago. Yeah, right? yeah. So in my age group and my skill level, I do pretty well. Yeah, awesome. but, but Tyler's uh, younger and faster and uh, probably about a quarter to a half uh, rating higher. Yeah. But uh, but if any startups or founders want to take us on in pickleball, we're up for yeah, the yeah, we'll time. Yeah, yeah. Let's put a competition together. Some pickleball. That'd be fun. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Well, so thanks good. again, Tyler and, and John, for being here on the Midnight Founders Podcast. Uh, this is Jake and AJ signing out. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.